Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's December 7th, 1971, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. In the British Comedy Sketch Hall of Fame, there are a few stone-cast luminaries, dead parrot, four candles, going for an English, (laughs) none of which feature special guests. (laughs) But the exception that proves the rule is the day that Oscar-winning conductor Andre Previn was the celebrity guest on the Morecambe and Wise Christmas special, recorded on this day in 1971. Yeah, and when the producer of the show, John Ammons, first had the idea of recruiting Previn for the role, apparently they were pretty uncertain about whether it would work. They had actually had quite a lot of success in bringing in sort of unlikely famous figures to come on the show. Peter Cushing, Edward Woodward, John Mills, Glenda Jackson, a whole lot of other people. But they were very uncertain about whether getting in a conductor and pianist who really had no experience in delivering comedy or sort of any kind of lines. They just were really unsure that it would work. The thing that's really surprising from a 2021 perspective is just the concept of a celebrity conductor. I mean, I don't know if I'm just too lowbrow, Mm. but I can't name a single conductor. Simon Rattle. I mean, that is the single conductor I can name. I was going to say, name a second one. (laughs) (laughs) But he's the Andre Previn of now, isn't he? But there isn't a comparison in that sense because Simon Rattle's not cool. I mean, unless you're 80 and you listen to Classic FM. But I mean, basically, you know, whereas Andre Previn then, you know, he had long hair. He had a kind of groovy 70s vibe. And he had a sort of touch of Hollywood to him as well. He'd started his career as an arranger and composer of Hollywood films. He'd actually won four Oscars for scoring for My Fair Lady, Irma LaDuce, Porgy and Bess and Gigi. So he did have that little touch of sparkle around him as well. Yeah, he was married to Mia Farrow. Yeah, he was married to Mia Farrow. This came to be hugely significant in how he ended up getting the gig because apparently Morecambe and Wise were absolute sticklers for the necessity of rehearsal. And they really wanted to make sure that the person that they were going to be working with for this sketch was going to be able to sell it. And consequently, they insisted that he should come in for five full days of rehearsals. And his agent just said, no, forget about it. You're not getting in for that long. The most we can give you is three days. And eventually they nutted it out. And ultimately, he said yes. And the producers went along to Previn's house to go and meet him. And the story goes like this, that apparently the producers sat down with Previn and he really wasn't being at all dynamic or personality filled enough to make them feel good about bringing him on the show. And then Mia Farrow stormed into the room, apparently in a continuation of an argument that she and Previn had been having prior to these producers turning up, and absolutely let him have it. After which she then stormed out of the room again, slams the door on her way out, and he takes one beat. He turns to the producers and says, 
gentleman, the lady wife. And they all apparently fell around laughing and decided that his ability to deliver this line that was then considered funny <laughs> was enough to warrant him being on the show. And so they went with him and they went back to Walk and Wise and they said, yeah, we've got the one. Yeah, because there's a kind of popular misconception that he had to learn his lines in the taxi from the airport. Like that's repeated in a lot of places. But actually he had attended two full days of rehearsal before he had to go back to America to visit his mother who was ill. And then he'd flown back in to do the sketch. And I imagine that that comes from the fact that he is very funny and there is an off-the-cuff quality. There's some ad-libbing in the sketch, which was quite unusual for Morecambe and Wise. Even though sometimes it seemed ad-libbed, they usually stuck to the script. Whereas it was kind of this off-the-cuff quality that I think has given rise to the impression that, you know, that Andre Brevin was somehow half making it up as he went along, which obviously wasn't the case. Mm. What we haven't described yet, and I think we should, is what happens in this sketch, if you've never seen it, if you weren't yes. alive in 1971 and you're too drunk on Christmas Day to watch the repeats. Uh, we should explain. And should I tell you what happens in the sketch, by the way, Ollie? What happens in the sketch is the same thing that happened in a sketch that Morecambe and Wise had already performed eight years earlier. All right, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, <Sure. laughs> so in the famous sketch, Eric Morecambe wants to play Grieg's Piano Concerto they roped Andre Previn into conducting it. At the time, he was the principal conductor from the London Symphony Orchestra, and as we've described, the audience knew that, improbable as though that mainstream in a mainstream family entertainment. The curtains draw back to reveal a huge orchestra, which Eric Morecambe then refers to as the band, and basically there's like a mix of physical comedy and japes as Morecambe doesn't quite make it to the piano in time to join in at the right moment, and then when he does, he plays like a music hall pub sing-along version of it, which is funny in itself. And then when Previn confronts him, he confronts him back in the most famous line of the sketch, which is, I am playing the right notes, but not necessarily in the right order, which is much funnier when he delivers it than me. But that's essentially the sketch. <laughs> yeah. And I think what people have misremembered is the length of it. I watched it on YouTube today. It's 13 minutes long. <laughs> Like, I've just described it, you'd think that's three minutes, wouldn't you? <laughs> I was thinking that's almost impossible for a sketch show to do today and hold people's interest, yeah. but I don't think it's the attention spans have lowered, but, like, the format of the sketch is basically all these people are playing themselves and they're just interacting with each other, whereas I think what makes sketches wear really thin is when they have a particular premise and then they just keep rehashing it over and over until you're sick of it. Whereas there was just, you're basically, it's not even really a sketch as so much as you're just seeing 13 minutes of these people like being, you know, a version of themselves. <laughs> well, it's in the music hall tradition, isn't it? It's film-like theatre. It's not film-like telly. Mm. There's no set apart from they're on a big stage because it's their big shiny floor show. But I think the reason why it was successful was because they were all being themselves. And as you alluded to, Rebecca, this sketch had been around for a while and Morecambe and Wise had been working it and reworking it. They'd actually even recorded it a couple of times, once for a record and once, I think, for some other TV show. Two of a kind, broadcast in 1963. And they didn't have a guest. Ernie Wise was playing the role of the conductor. That's right. And what they felt was the reason why it was less successful than they wanted it to be was because the stakes weren't sufficiently high. And really what they wanted was the gravitas of an actual real world conductor with whom they were then messing. You know, it's funny because he was someone, he was a big name. And so for them to be being quite so sort of gormless and ridiculous that's where the humour comes from. The hierarchical structure that they're puncturing that you describe means that it's full of status-led comedy, which I would say is very mm. adjacent, really, to class-based comedy. You know, people often say that Morecambe and Wise was classless comedy, you know, that everyone in Britain could laugh along with Morecambe and Wise. It didn't matter what you did for a living and where you lived in the country. And that's sort of true. 
But I think that there are status jokes in this sketch, which have their origins, at least, in class. I mean, Eric Morecambe directing Previn in the second verse, Go Easy on the Banjos, is a joke about him yeah. being Northern and working class, really, isn't it? It sort of encapsulates two things, doesn't it? Because on one hand, it's, it's a shock factor in that in those days, there was a quite a distinct separation between what was considered highbrow and lowbrow entertainment. Yeah. And having a, a, a prestigious cultural figure like Andre Previn on the show was something that was quite novel and, you know, maybe caused even a little ripple. But at the same time, the fact that that was done shows just how much influence was still being wielded in the media by people who were interested in things like classical mm. music because I think you wouldn't do that now because the audience in the studio and the audience at home wouldn't know who the person was I don't know if it reflects the fact that the average person was more likely to be interested in classical music in 1971 or the fact that the people pulling the reins at the top of you know television were the sort of people who were interested and thought that other people ought to be interested like if yeah. you think of the early days of TV there was a lot of plays there was lots of classical music and there were lots of very dry lectures to camera it was this kind of didactic approach of what sorts of things you thought people should appreciate yeah you could kind of tickle the funny bones of the commissioner rather than the, the <laughs> your potential audience and that would get you on TV a lot of the best comedy is about puncturing tensions and is that tension of you know people feeling insecure about how to behave when subjects like classical music are brought up yeah. and you know not knowing how you'd behave in front of somebody who worked in that kind of field that you know if you were an average working class person you'd probably never expect to meet a famous conductor they're not making the music itself ridiculous that was something that Previn specified before he signed on was that he didn't want it to be a sketch that was poking fun at classical music but it's poking fun at Eric Morkham really and his pomposity and I suppose also it's poking fun at Previn one of the gags in the sketch is that they call him Mr Preview instead of Mr Previn and apparently for the rest of his life when he came to the UK people on the street would address him as Mr Preview yeah and they were so fond of Previn that he was actually on the show two more times he was on it the following season in a sketch with a broadly similar premise in which he was conducting a jazz band and it ended with him joining Morecambe and Wise to sing Bring Me Sunshine mm -hmm. their theme song of course and then he also appeared really briefly on a special where they had a sort of roundup of celebrities who'd appeared on Morecambe and Wise and this is where we ended up he says I was on Morecambe and Wise and this is what happened to me and the camera pulls back and he's standing on the corner of a bus as a bus conductor you know sort of waving his hands <laughs> in a conductory fashion and so yeah sorry I haven't explained that very frankly <laughs> you're right Ollie the jokes work better when they're being done by Morecambe and Wise you did a pretty good job, Rebecca. You got all the right words, just in the wrong order. <laughs> Tomorrow. One side says Mary was full of grace, and the other side says, no, she wasn't. Let's split the difference, guys. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.